I like the sound. 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 A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. In this very special, and I have to say, much delayed episode of I Like the Sound, I'm going to be asking the question, what does a coma patient hear? The answer is, of course, that it varies from person to person. There's no conclusive answer to this rather clickbaity question. You see what I've done here? I've given the episode a kind of a clickbaity title so that lots of people will click on it. And hopefully, if you're one of those people, you're not going to be disappointed. I am indeed going to be talking to a coma survivor, specifically about what the experience sounded like. This week's returning guest is Reg Seaton from the Starting Overdrive podcast. We actually recorded this interview a couple of years ago. As I say, this is very much delayed. I wanted to get this thing absolutely perfect, so I didn't do the editing straight away. Then I ended up having a year off from this podcast for one reason and another. We're back now. That's the main thing. And I'd like to think I've finally produced the perfect version of this interview with Rich. Or it's as good as I can get it anyway. We ended up having a wide-ranging discussion about disability. We talked about sight loss. We talked about epilepsy and how sound relates to those experiences as well. Let's get into this. With the coma, I actually remember sounds from being in a coma. I was in a coma for a week. I was hit by a car. And the sounds, even though it was dark and I could hear hear things, they were they created visuals in that I could actually see. It, it's, it's the most bizarre thing. Then I know how it sounds. It might sound to someone else, but it, it's interesting. The being able to hear. I couldn't wake up, but I I could hear, and I could I could get a sense of the room. So is is it almost like a dreamlike sort of state that you're in, in that you're you're imagining in terms of the visual component of it? You're kind of you're putting a an image with that sound your your brain is sort of making that image almost like a you would in some sort of dream state that that's that's a weird one because it actually i wouldn't say a dream state it was like a it was just another level of waking state but what you're actually seeing is you're not seeing in color you're seeing in darkness you're it's almost like just a a level of consciousness but yet you can't open your eyes but you can but you can hear and there's a level of an awareness what things in particular do you remember hearing uh, during that time um well there, there, there's a fellow beside me who he couldn't wake up he had a, a brain aneurysm and every single day his wife was in and she was yelling wake up wake up wake up his name was John Hugh, and she would say, John Hugh, John Hugh, wake up, wake up. And I remember actually getting sick of hearing that in that state. I remember that. 
other things like my uh, my parents would put a Walkman on and they would play music. I would start tapping my 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 toe, and so there was an awareness there when they would ask me to tap my toe. I would tap my toe to the music, but then in, when the music was playing, I would also just tap on my own. Those are the, I remember those two things, you know, very vividly. I remember uh, people walking in the room and they were talking like nurses would walk in the room. And I could tell that there was a door there because they were faint. And then they would come, you could actually hear them coming. It, it's really odd. I know how it sounds, but <laughs> those, are, those are things that I very vividly remember. Were people able to talk to you and kind of explain to you like what had happened? and sort of why you were there and were you able to understand that that's interesting because i know i don't remember people talking to me about it but i know people did and when i woke up i had a feeling of already knowing what happened without anybody telling me right okay right but i don't remember them specifically telling me but i do remember that feeling of when i woke up I kind of sort of knew what was happening without anybody telling me what was the the actual experience of waking up do you remember that and what that was like yeah it was very it was bright it was bright um the passage of time this was interesting when I woke up it seemed like a week had gone by but it had seemed like it was the day before I actually mentally thought it was the day before like the day I was hit. So I, I, it felt like I was waking up the next day. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. And, but it was, it was really bright. Um, you know, my father was, I looked over and my father was sitting there crying and the nurse was people, there's all kinds of activity. And I just remember being really super bright, knowing, had that feeling of knowing what happened already. Yeah, it was, it was really strange, (laughs) but, but it was peaceful. It was a peaceful feeling. It's a really amazing thing to hear, you know, because um, it's difficult for a person who hasn't gone through that experience to imagine exactly what it was like. But obviously it's a real experience and it's something that you've been through. So it's, um, you know, I can only take your word for it that that's the way it went. Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, and it's, um, I know how it sounds, and but it was it was very real to me. <laughs> it, what what an, Another interesting uh, fact is that they actually had to tell me that I was blind in one eye. I, d- I didn't know that. And that was a few days later. How do you describe it? Are you, would you describe it as being partially sighted or? Yeah, I'm blind in the right eye, partially sighted. Uh, the optic nerve is severed in half. So I really can't see anything. But my senses, my hearing is heightened. I, I hear things that it creates a different reality and I hear things that just out, you know, if I'm out around with somebody or in a room, like I hear things that they, that they're just not even paying attention to. And it's a good thing, but it's also (laughs) creates issues when you're out and then there are a lot of sounds in one place, which I just really pick up a lot of things. And it's, it's an, it's an acute experience. I'm always amazed by, because um, I've, I've spent quite a lot of time with blind people myself as a support worker. I've spent quite a lot of time with people who have no sight. Oh, wow. What, what always uh, kind of impresses me is when is how much awareness uh, a person with no sight can have of the environment that they're in. 
like so i'll be with somebody and we'll walk into like a, a building that we've not been into before so they'll need me to be there to sort of guide them around and we'll walk in and they'll, they'll say something like oh this is a big room you know and they'll just know that it's a big room using their other four senses i guess you know yeah and that that happens like in my experience that actually just partially cited that happens naturally it's just like the buttons turned on you know yeah that's fascinating to me i've noticed that um blind people have, have a heightened sense of taste as well is that is that the same with yourself got a taste and smell and just all all, all the senses are, are uh, sort of compensating for the sight loss i would say yes but i also because of my accident i can't smell out of one nostril Oh, okay. Which affects taste. So although there would be a heightened sense, it's also muted as well. So I don't really, I don't really notice that one as much. I, if anything, I would have less of a sense of taste because of I can't smell out of one nostril. And that went years before they, I didn't know that. That went years before the neurosurgeon said, he tested it. I think it was like three years after my accident. He said, I bet you can't smell it of that nostril. And I went, and he put something under it. And he's like, I think it was hand lotion. And I, and I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> but my brain thought I could. Yeah, yeah. With the hearing, is it, is it, would you say that you can hear things that uh, a regular person can't hear? That's difficult to answer because I think that, I just don't think that they're aware of it. I think that people, if they paid attention, could probably hear it. But my awareness, it's changed my awareness to where I'm just aware of sounds that they're not aware of. But I think that if they tried, I think you could get there. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily hearing things that, that people can't hear. I just don't think that they're paying attention. So I can hear footsteps. I can hear people breathing behind me if I'm close to somebody, it's, which freaks me out. But those are the things that I pick up on. And because of, it's just a different reality. So I'm, I'm hearing things that they're just not picking up, but they could. I do believe that. One of the things that I've always quite liked in a way of, of, of having sort of friends who are totally blind and um, people who I've worked with who are totally blind I quite like the fact that they don't know what I look like and they don't care what I look like. They just know me as a person through kind of myself, my personality, and sort of my physical appearance just isn't of any interest to them whatsoever. That's interesting. So they can only judge you by your, who you are through other senses. Yeah, yeah. So there's no visual judgment. Yeah, but particularly for someone who, who's never been able to see. I mean, the, it's, it's slightly different for people who've lost their sight because they'll, they'll typically have like a, a, an idea, like a mental image of what you look like. And it's probably totally wrong. You know, it's probably totally different to what you actually look like. Right. Um, but they'll have like a visual image of you in their head. Whereas someone who was born blind, it's just not on their radar at all because they, they, they've never seen anything so they wouldn't know what, they, what a person, they don't know what a person looks like. So even just the, the word looks like would be totally different than what 
it would mean for us. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. One of my friends who uh, I was um, working with, this was going back, uh, must be sort of 10 or 11 years, I was I was saying to her, uh, and I've, I've been working with her for about 12 months, you know, and we've got to know each other quite well. And um, I said to her, yeah, you know, it's my 30th birthday coming up uh, next week. And she said, really? I thought you were about 55. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> Did you genuinely thought that that was how old I was? You know, you have a vo old voice, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Wise voice. <laughs> That's a, there's so much wisdom there but for one step up. <laughs> Take that and run with it. <laughs> No, but that's, that's fascinating at the same time. I was thinking about my own um, experiences of having seizures. Because what I do is that certainly what I used to do when I, when I used to have seizures, I haven't had any for a good few years, which is nice. But I was awake for them because it's kind of, uh, it's classed as a partial seizure. So basically kind of, it's almost like part of my body kind of shuts down and I have to, I can't kind of move properly. So I have to sit down or lie down, but I'm kind of awake for the process of it. And I can have conversations with people, but it's, it's, it's almost like, I say almost, it's kind of similar, but also not the same as the experience that you had of, of being in a coma. It's kind of like, I can hear what people are saying, but it's, it's as though they're saying it from a long distance away. And there's, uh, and it's almost like that they're not in the same place as I am. So it's kind of like, I can, I can speak back and I can hear my own voice as well, but it's, it's kind of a surreal experience. It's almost as though I'm kind of sleep talking, you know, two, is it two different awarenesses at the same time? I am conscious, but also I'm, I'm in a different sort of state. I'm kind of slightly sort of delirious, I suppose, and slightly sort of like not really uh, fully awake, I guess. So it's more dream state. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of almost like those, those kind of when you see people having a conversation while they're falling asleep and, and, um, at, at some point they get to a point where they're they're kind of half in and half out but they're still talking um that that's kind of the best way that i can describe it anyway um but um kind of uh, I'm, I'm wondering in terms of what what you hear when when you've experienced seizures yourself for me i'm really aware of the time leading up to the seizure is, is big uh things become amplified in a way where I start to hear a lot of sounds at once, and then that transitions into more of a narrowing of sound towards a silence. And I've only actually had three, and they've been the three grand mal seizures. And each time, that's I can I can look and, and identify. There's a transition from amplification to a narrowing towards silence. And then I don't remember anything. There's a sound of silence in there, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um, but the, it's interesting that the the build up to it involves a kind of uh, amplification. Did you say it was that like an amplification 
of the sound. Yeah, everything just kind of gets louder and I can start to hear everything at once. And then there's, you get this exhaustion from that amplification. But it's so confusing because you don't really know if, oh, am I tired? It's really hard to tell and differentiate between a state of like, I only had a few hours sleep last night, that kind of thing. I think the way that it was explained to me was that when you're in kind of a certain state, your brain kind of processes things in a different way. So I think perhaps that's the sounds that you're hearing are just being amplified kind of internally and also kind of the way that people experience kind of like weird visual stuff that goes on before seizures occur as well. Right. I heard people see like that people see purple spots before. Yeah, yeah. I've never experienced that. I've never seen a visual. There's never been a visual component for me. It's always been in sound. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So I, I might be misremembering here, but did did you um, have have one of these uh, episodes while you were at, at a slot machine? Is that right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was uh, 2007. Well, I'm wondering what, because they're noisy things, right? So I was wondering, is, what was the sound like there? What was is anything weird happened with that? Well, that's an interesting one because the slot machine that I was playing actually had flickering strobe lights. So I didn't know that though when I was playing it. So there was the sound of slot machines all over the place. And it's interesting because it was at the Excalibur, it was in Las Vegas, 2007. I was there with my mother and I took my mother there on vacation and she, all of a sudden I started to, um, rock back and forth. And she told me, she said there were, there was flashing and strobe lights from the slot machine right at the same time. And so she laid me down, um, and I was shaking. Uh, the next thing I know that I'm waking up with the paramedics over me, put me into the ambulance and off I went to, uh, to the hospital. I presume that that's a trigger for you, uh, strobe lighting. It is. I mean, I've been to concerts and I've, uh, and I've experienced the strobe lights. I have to kind of avert my eyes just to make sure. But when you ask that, I go, well, it is for sure. Um, uh, but there's also a sound component as well. Um, and that amplification, there's also a nutritional component as each time I've had a seizure. I've been dehydrated. I've de dehydrated myself. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and depleted, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the, it's just, there's been an exhaustion, exhaustion, dehydration component. And that day that we were in Las Vegas, I was, you know, foolishly drinking beer all day, not drinking enough water. And so I think that played a part as well, not just the strobe lights. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that, that, that makes sense. Right. And that, and if there's a, a, if there's a theme throughout it's, it's nutrition for me and exhaustion and dehydration, those three components as well. I guess you learn from these experiences though, don't you? It's kind of like you get into that state and, uh, and, uh, you end up having a seizure and then you kind of like, well, I, I won't do that anymore. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you learn the hard way. I actually went off my, I take medication, um, every day. I actually, during that time in Las Vegas, when I had the seizure, I was off my medication and the job I had, I was flying all over the place. And, and I just, 
I just stopped taking it. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll, you never, you don't want to not take medication, but just circumstances, it was a month went by, two months. And my neurologist said, he goes, well, you know, everybody does that once until they learn not to do that again. <laughs> so yeah, I learned the hard way. And, uh, you know, I, I learned to never get dehydrated, um, make sure I'm always, you know, healthy. It's, it's good that you've been able to kind of put that adjustment in place and then kind of uh, as a means of kind of controlling it and, and, and so on. Uh, so, I mean, how is the, how is the condition now? Is that, is, have, you, uh, have you got it under control? Yeah, I, I haven't had a seizure since 2007, since that, since that time in Las Vegas. So, you know, I, like I said, oh, right. I, I, I learned from, I always have to take my medication. It's morning and night. And I just have to have a, a regiment of, of a certain level of health to, because it's not just the strobe lights, it's not just sounds. You really have to kind of regulate. And I'm sure that you're well aware of that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think one kind of bright side for me is that I'm sort of looking after myself as a means of controlling seizures, and it, it, it's it's quite good. It's, it's quite a good incentive to be healthy, you know, because um, it occurred to me several times while while I was trying to control my epilepsy that um, you know, that I, I was a I was a young guy in my twenties when I was diagnosed, and uh, I wasn't living a particularly healthy lifestyle, you know. It just felt like it was a nice sort of incentive to, yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat well, and um, I'll go to bed on time, and I, I won't drink too much. You know, <laughs> so if if I didn't have that diagnosis, then I'd be probably, you know, significantly less healthy. So I, I suppose that's kind of a silver lining. I'd, I'd still prefer not to have the condition, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get that right side uh, somewhere <laughs> yeah there's a benefit in being forced to change right <laughs> yes yes I Like the Sound was written presented and produced by myself Frank Burton I'm the author of several books which you should definitely investigate as soon as possible Many thanks to this week's guest, Reg Seaton. Check out Reg's podcast, Starting Overdrive, if you'd like to hear more of Reg's story about his experience of starting over after the accident that changed his life. There's an episode with me on as well. That was a good one. For more information about me and my work, please visit frankburton.co.uk. My other podcast is called Ragbag Presents. Also available is the four-part podcast series I made with David Evar, celebrating 20 years of the band Herman Dune. It's called Not On Top, and it's wonderful. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.